0: Thank you for downloading this month's podcast of Beejog jog Editors' Choice with Deputy Editor-in-Chief John Thorpe. Clinical trials in obstetrics are even more difficult and costly than trials in other branches of medicine. Part of this is due to the fact that most pregnancies will have a good outcome, whatever care is given. Another portion can be attributed to the resiliency of the newborn so that even after a catastrophic event and short-term morbidity, many babies will make full recoveries. Perinatal clinical trialists know these facts and either have to rely on surrogate outcomes that are intermediate, for example, cord gases at birth rather than IQ at age 5 years or enroll a very large number of women to show a meaningful difference. I am a co-investigator in the midst of a large trial to look at immune globulin treatment and primary cytomegalovirus infections where prevalence of one in a thousand births has forced us to screen 160,000 women to enroll around 100 into the clinical trial. Many babies exposed to the virus in utero will experience no damage, so we will have even fewer hard outcomes to assess. Due to this formidable funnel in the study of a natural process like pregnancy and parturition, perinatal epidemiologists spend a lot of time and energy on trial, design, and conduct. Months to years can and should be expended, in formulating protocols, power calculations, inclusion and exclusion criteria, selection of intervention, masking, stopping rules, safety monitoring, and the like. The funnel naturally results in most single institution studies being underpowered, and thus to be meaningful, perinatal trials require multiple centers to collaborate. Consensus across sites lengthens the process and increases the costs. Less attention has been paid to outcome standardization. In this November issue Duffy and colleagues chose the condition preeclampsia and looked at what outcomes were assessed by a trialist. In 79 trials of 55 different interventions over 119 various outcomes were reported on. Obvious ones, such as maternal death, were often neglected, and less than 10% of the trials reported on newborn neurodevelopment, which should be of most importance after maternal safety to patients, clinicians, and society. They call for standardization of outcomes for common perinatal conditions, including preeclampsia, and cite fledgling efforts along those lines. Dildy, in an accompanying commentary, makes identical points and updates our readers on U.S. efforts on outcome standardization. Perinatal epidemiology cannot afford to squander resources on anything less. One unsolicited caveat that I would offer to preeclampsia trialists beyond outcome standardization is to take the time to define and ascertain what actually constitutes an exposure. Clinical definitions and individual clinical assessments of who has and does not have the disease vary as widely as outcomes do in this disease process. The Maternal Fetal Medicine Units Network, in which I have the privilege to participate, insists on chart review by two separate investigators, with disagreements adjudicated by a committee. This is a laborious and time-consuming process, but we who have the great privilege of receiving societal investments to conduct clinical trials must insist on undertaking trials of the highest quality. Kudos to Duffy for showing us another rung on the ladder ascending to conduct of quality clinical trials. He has an excellent podcast on this topic on our website for readers who would like to hear directly from the author. Thank you for listening to this month's b Editor's Choice. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at bjogtweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.